Alright, I'm not using the microphone for this. So, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, uh, verses 1 through 5. And I, uh, if you guys would, pray this prayer with me that we have written down in the, uh, your music sheets. And then we're going to just, I'll just read Revelation 22, 1 through 5, and we'll get going. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruits each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any accursed, it be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. And there will be no need for light of a lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and will reign forever and ever. Uh, there are times when you come to certain scriptures where I'm amazed at um, scripture for different reasons, but a lot of times it's for the living nature of scripture, the aliveness of it, like what it can speak to us. That the fact is that when we open scriptures, it's not a dead documents. It's not just words. It's not just literature. It's not just ideas or theology. But throughout the entirety of Scripture, a Savior is trying to constantly interrupt our lives and to change us and allow us to look more like Him. He's trying to change us in the ways that we live, in our motives, or by what we say or do maybe. But maybe a better way to say it when I, when I think of Scripture and the amazement that I have for it it's trying to shape us into someone more alive because we look more like Jesus who is risen and alive. And because of our time spent in Scripture, we might be able to look that way. There have been a number of books over the years that I've read and reread and reread, but none of them have the living nature that Scripture has. None of them have, uh, I, I, there's even been books that I've poured over and studied, but none of them have been more alive than Scripture or spoken into my soul in so many different and interesting ways and come at just opportune moments in my life. Maybe because, uh, maybe this is because Scripture is so interesting, like there's so many different genres, so much of it confuses me, so much of it amazes me. It has you know, a vast array of authors, and, and not only that, but the styles vary so greatly over, and not only that, the different times, locations where it was written, where the story takes place that is being told. For whatever reason, it amazes me how scripture can find its way deep, deep, deep into our lives. How we can hear a verse once and we can, it can speak to us for years and we can think about it. And it, that is if we allow it. If we allow it. It is centered on the fact that Father, Holy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love us and wants to dwell with us. And He wants us to dwell with Him forever and ever. In this, God will lead us 
He will guide us. He will shape us. He will mold us. He will discipline us, even limit us at times. And we don't like that word necessarily, but that's what he does. And all so that we might be with him and be in his presence, but not just in his presence, but blessed by him and blessed in our life with him. God is good and his love endures forever. And may we bask in this, in his forever love that he has for us and and do this uh, through scripture. In today's passage, we can see a scene of God's coming kingdom. How many of us hope for this kingdom, right? River and it's pretty cool. Like the kids talk about uh, like what this city will look like and no one mentioned a river in it, but there's a river. And so we just keep going and and it's a picture of God's coming kingdom, a picture of a, a place. But as I said last week, maybe not just a place, but a feeling as well that's accompanied with it, a feeling of for me that I would describe as peace, but it's a royal place. It's a holy place. God's kingdom. And, and, and it seems as though we are given access because God wants to dwell with us and he wants us to dwell with him. He doesn't just invite us into his kingdom and say, listen, that's a throne room. Don't go over there. Here's the main parts where you can't be and then disappear. And then he disappears. He gives us our marching orders and then disappears into his throne room. He doesn't do, do that. He invites us into his kingdom and gives us unbelievable access. Not only access to him, but access to all the vastness that God's kingdom will have. And uh, we don't want to and we won't escape God's presence and blessing in his kingdom. Our life fully gets integrated into his presence. And that's what I love about this picture. Because in this picture, we can see the water and the light of life. A river that flows from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And it goes right through the city and it has trees planted on either side for the healings of nations. May that, and that healings of nations and the nations have come to worship. And so, Lord, we ask that this will come soon, that your spirit will come soon. And as I was getting ready for this week, I couldn't help but be reminded of Psalm 1. Uh, not the, whole, not the whole of the psalm, but verse 2 and 3 in particular. It says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and it leaves do not wither, and all that he does he prospers. I think of this in Revelation 22, because we here in this picture, verses 1 through 5, we are getting a picture of the king's garden of what the king's garden will look like. The king's garden is this picture that has lingered in my head and my heart for a long time now. It was given to me early on in my studies through the Psalms. And to be honest with you, I, I don't know where I got this idea. I don't remember what book or author I read. And I don't know um, who helped explain it. But it's become such a part of my thought and so integrated to who I think... Uh, uh, how I think about God and how I think about like the fruit in his prosperity and all of this good stuff that will happen that is just integrated to see it's hard to pinpoint point where it originated. But I think, I think this because it's not just a, a, a thought or an idea or a theology to grasp. It's a living idea that God is speaking into uh, our lives. And this idea, we can say it this way, it's being rooted in Christ, being, having our lives be matched with Jesus, to be planted by his streams of water and the blessings that flow from 
His pow- it is powerful and it's a nourishing stream that God gives to us and we are planted in, in this way. The king's garden is pictured here, but the idea comes from this ancient idea of kings who go out to war. They would go out to war, they would conquer a land, and they would take its spoil. And this would be the gold, the natural resources, the people, the animals, uh, and and, uh, anything else that they wanted to plunder that they seemed worthy, but it also involved plant life. They would uproot trees and move them to where their palace is. Ancient kings would do this. All of the gardens uh, in all the lands, uh, uh, in, in the garden in the land that the king had would be closely attended to by experts and in charge of keeping this alive. So the king would have botanists and gardeners attending to their trees and to their plants to keep them alive and remind the king of the land where he has been and who he has conquered. It's, it's a, it, for him, it would be a beautiful stroll through a garden of, and a symbol of his great power and status in the world. He would be able to look, and this tree comes from this land, and this bush comes from this land, and this flower comes from here. And it would remind the king of his greatness. And, these, and trees would often be planted so that they could take full advantage of the water needed for life. Think of an irrigation system. Think of there would be irrigation ditches and other protections and blessings provided. So the most opportunity for growth and nourishment and beauty is possible. And this garden wasn't just for the king, but it would have been for the king's visitors as well. They would have come in, they would have seen, they would have seen where did this tree come from? Oh, it came from XYZ land that I did. And it would show the king's power and the king's reach would be found in this garden. And I love that our God and King and the Lamb have a garden as well. They have trees that are well tended to, they're protected, they're fruit bearing and prosperous in their season. This is a beautiful thing. We are able to see them and benefit from them. And God doesn't do this out of corruption or greed or fear mongering or to like flex his own power. That's not why he does it. He does it as a blessing for the nations. He wants to heal the nations. The nations who are at war and who have been at war forever, they're always expanding. They, they've been at war over economic gain and they've been over against anybody else and they've been for their own national pride. And the nations need a lot of healing because as we see it, every tribe, nation, and tongue will be represented in God's kingdom and blessing and healing will be for all of them, even the ones that we've been at war with for eons. A beautiful picture where the differences are, are, this is a beautiful picture where the difference are seen and yet racism and nationalism will not persist. You won't have to not like one nation if you're a part of a certain group or, or favor anyone else. There will be healing in this place once and forevermore because of this that God has, because of these trees in the king's garden. And in Psalm 1, we see we seem to be the trees that are planted in the king's garden. And, and in this picture, we see the trees and the benefits that come from them. But we, uh, in, in Revelation um, 22, we don't seem to be the trees anymore. There's just trees planted there. Psalm 1, it looks like we're the trees. Revelation 22. And Psalm 1 is a metaphor for the blessing of being rooted in Christ and gaining our nourishment from Him and letting the flow of His life bless us. Every week we pray this, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
We pray for this type of healings, that the nations will come and that they will, uh, they will be there, they will be to the trees and that where they're planted and that they will find healing. And, and in this, you and I are going to be healed and whole as well. One of the hardest parts in thinking about Revelation 21 and 22, and well, probably a lot more of Revelation, is the not yetness of this full reality, right? We still have pains. We still have war. We still, uh, how many of us still need lamps in the sun? It's nice, right? We still need this. And I would love though for us to, in this picture, for us to get our hope and picture our future life and anticipate it and expect it. And yet, I, I would love for us to be impacted by this picture in our day to day. It's not just something future, but it's something that we can live for, something that we might be able to live and be more like Jesus today, that we might have uh, scriptures shape us and lead us and be li- and through living every step of our walk with Jesus. And I think this picture also reminds me of Psalm 1 because I long for us to experience God's kingdom in its final form. I long for us to be prosperous in this way where we can just be with Jesus once and forevermore. And that, that uh, be alive enough in Christ that it gets to flow through us. And even though we do it imperfectly here now, we get to walk step by step. And in some way we might take, uh, in some way we might be healing for the nations because Christ is alive in our lives and at work in us. But, I, I ask, like, what does this look like and how can we come to this? And Jesus came to give us life. But the truth is, is that the law came for the same reason, to give us life. If we follow Jesus, that means that we don't get whatever we want. Amen? Or amen with a question mark. You know, you can say it either way. But we desire to have our wills, our thoughts, our passions, and, and, and our desires shaped by Jesus because we are being made new and attempting to live out of the newness that Jesus gives us. And some may argue that this is limiting, that, well, if you become a Christian, you can't do this or you can't do that. And there are things that maybe we shouldn't do as we follow Jesus. And I would argue that you probably can't do if you follow Jesus, like rejecting Jesus all the time. But limits are not bad. Limits are not bad. They are for blessing. And I think that like meditating on the law day and night, we get to see the blessings that are in them. We are limited, but in the most positive and blessing sort of way. And we get to meditate on the law day and night. And to meditate on it is to chew on it, mull it over, to pull the nutrients out of it so that we can get it can get deeper and deeper into our life and affect the way that we live. One of my favorite Eugene Peterson quotes is, I have no patience with a truth that cannot be lived. I don't want you to have any patience with it either. And truths that are lived come when we meditate and gain from Scripture's aliveness. We gain life to live this life that Jesus has given us. And we gain the truth of Christ as we reflect on Christ so that we might live like Christ. The truth isn't some abstract idea. It is, and it's not just some theology. The truth is to be lived. And it is to impact and change and enrich our lives. The laws were put in place to limit and govern the people of God. And as we meditate on them, we see God's desire to keep, to protect, 
to lead and bless our faith and be with us. No accursed thing will dwell with God, so we gain our purity through Him. And the laws may seem limiting, but I, I love it. I love it. Put it this way: a good mother puts limits on her kids, doesn't let her kids do whatever they want, and she does this for their own safety and for their own well-being and for their overall blessing because moms know better than kids until you hit 30 then they don't right mom (laughs) so i'm just kidding okay so but moms know better than their kids when they're raising them they're trying they don't know everything but they're trying and they're they put rules in place and limits in place for their well-being and their blessing so god wants to bless us so much more just as God is a good father. God is a, and God is a better father than any earthly father. I would say that God is a better mother as well in the way that He wants to shepherd us and lead us and guide us and protect us. And as we meditate on God's laws and His ways, we quickly realize, if we're honest, that we don't measure up. And this isn't a discouragement to us. It's a blessing and reminder of God's great grace for us. We don't measure up but as, the, but as the law has its limitations, like there are also great gifts. And so is this gift of God's grace. God's free, unmerited favor. I love that we don't earn it, we don't deserve it, and yet it's given to us as a gift, and we receive that gift, and then we receive it to a point where we can give it away. And our meditation on God's law brings the nourishment of grace, and grace is lived First by Jesus to show us the way, and then as we follow Jesus, we live it out as well. Because we get to dwell in the King's garden forevermore. And I think of this as such a blessing. It is a gift that I plan on taking full advantage of, and I hope that y'all do too. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but we'll keep walking with Jesus and see what it'll be about. But in the here and now, the life that we get to live, the life with hope and expectation, and, and, and um, life-giving knowledge that Jesus gives to us. But I hope that we can come to it with an understanding that we are being shaped to look more like Jesus. That the nations come to this river of God to eat of its fruits and experience it healing. And that healing comes much different in this life. And we are much like that river now, according to Psalms 1, where people can come to us and experience healing that comes through Christ. And so may we find that and be that. And I love that as we come face to face with God and with the Lamb, our face changes even though He never does. We worship because we understand this is the right response. It's not out of a sense of duty, but out of joy that we worship. It's not going to be drudgery. It's going to be complete and utter joy. And it's going to be so proper to worship Jesus. And Psalm 1 prays that we might meditate on His law and be like the trees that we see pictured here in Revelation 22. Be like them in nourishment, in fruit, and in blessing in its season, that we might thrive like the trees of Revelation 22. And when we come to see Jesus face to face, our face changes. We have His name on our forehead, and our name will be His name. And this is a longing and a desire that we as followers of Jesus have and get to nourish and feed. That we might be like our King and be named with Him. And we will be with Him forever as we keep following Him. So I pray every week that we will just keep following Him. In this blessing we see Jesus is our water and light. Jesus is our cleansing and our healing. 
Jesus is our life. So that we might live with Him forever and ever. He died our death on a cross so that we might be able to live with Him the real life that He wants for us. So I pray, grace and mercy, let us worship Jesus with our lives. Let us let His life and His Scriptures impact and interrupt our lives and change us so that we might look more like Him and look forward with hopeful anticipation to this kingdom come that has a cool river in it with cool trees. Jesus, I thank you that you are good to us. I thank you that you've done this. I thank you that this isn't something that we get to wonder if you're going to do, but Lord, you're going to do it because you said that you'd do it. So Lord, will you please come and come soon. In Jesus' name, amen.